Welcome, everybody, to the Extra Credit Show. You're, I am your host, Anselmo Moreno. And I'm Richard David. Welcome to the Extra Credit Show, where today we're going to talk about a bunch of fun stuff, and then we'll I'll read a couple of headlines, and I want to get Richard's thoughts on it. He has no idea what the headlines are, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, Richard, so good morning, by the way. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. We're having a lot of fun creating these episodes, and today I want to talk about uh, debt collectors. Okay. One of my favorite topics, simply because... I feel like the material for debt collections is almost limitless, you know? It's it's large. It's just one of the biggest industries or topics in credit. Right. Like you, you were mentioning that the Federal Trade Commission released a report on the number one most complained about industry. Oh, yeah. March 3rd, uh, they released 2016's list. 28% was uh, collection agencies. 20%, 28% of all complaints filed with the Federal Trade Commission were about debt collection agencies. Yep. And what was the runner-up? Uh, it was tied between identity theft and imposters. Wow. So basically 13%. 13%. Mm-hmm. So less than half. Yes, sir. Wow. That's an interesting a compilation of, of complaints. And I think that that probably just has to do with the sheer number, like just large amount of debt collectors that there is in the United States, right? Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're all over the place. Um you know, they, and they get shut down too by the FTC because of how they they operate. They just they think it's an easy, easy industry, and you know they think the consumer is an easy target. And a lot of them are, yeah. unfortunately. You know, we, we we see it all the time where consumers uh, can be easy targets, especially those vulnerable consumers that maybe aren't able to fend for themselves or maybe can't defend themselves. You know, and I'm really talking about really young consumers or maybe possibly even really old consumers. Yep. Although, I, I, you know, if someone tries to go after my grandma, she'll shut up down. She's super, <laughs> super aggressive. So, you know, but th- that is like just the, the vulnerable people, maybe limited English speaking people, right? Mm-hmm. Um those are probably the most vulnerable because debt collectors can call and intimidate them and really scare them into paying money. Yes, sir. And it's not just the really young or the really old. Uh, a big a big trend is the Hispanic community. They just don't know anything when it comes to rules and regulations on collections. And I, and I think that it's, it's really, in my opinion, the limited English speaking community. And that could be anyone beyond the Hispanic community, this is right? true. You know, you're talking about just minorities in general this that maybe is true. can't navigate the English language very well because most debt collectors don't, or most debt collection agencies don't necessarily keep a staff of, you know, different language speaking folks. I mean, the most common second language here in our area is probably going to be Spanish, but even then you'll find yourself with debt collectors who can't get a, a Spanish speaking debt collector on the phone to read the person their Miranda rights, which is quite interesting that the collection industry has a Miranda rights disclosure that they have to read to consumers. The mini Miranda? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, wait, wait, wait. Do you know it? Come on, Go really? For it. Oh man, you're putting me on the spot. Oh come on, you hear it every day. I know I hear it every day, but now it's like all of a sudden, oh. Like, so this is an attempt to collect the debt. Any information used, uh, any information collected, will be used for that purposes. You know that that's that's uh, the disclosure that all debt collections have to use, or all debt collectors have to use when before they even begin the conversation, mm-hmm. they they have to let the consumer know that they're a debt collector, mm-hmm. and any information obtained is going to be used for that purpose. And then they proceed to ask you. So where do you work and what's your new address, right? <laughs> the, the big one. Then that's immediately like consumers are probably off put. Like, I don't know if I should be telling you this. Who are you? You know, you're just kind of randomly calling. And you shouldn't. You shouldn't you, tell them you, uh, where you work. And you don't have to. Mm-mm. You know, I get calls all the time and people are like, what do I do? They keep calling me. The number one thing I tell them to do is hang up. 
mm-hmm. right? Just like, what do you mean hang up? Just hang up on them, right? If you don't want to talk to them, hang up. Nothing bad is going to happen if you hang up on them and maybe do a little bit of more research on who the heck is calling you. Google is a wonderful resource. I call it Professor yep. Google. Take <laughs> the number that's calling you, put it into Google and see what comes up. Right. What you're going to see is maybe stories from other people who have received calls from that number. Or maybe if it's a legitimate company, that company's name will come up on Google and you're able to go to their website and just really validate that the person on the other line is a legitimate enterprise. And the reason why that's so important nowadays, with all of these data breaches and everybody's information just being out there and exposed, you don't know if someone that's calling is an imposter. Exactly. Trying to collect the debt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, imposter is the tie for the second most complaint 13 percent and there are a lot of imposter collection agencies out there they will try and call you and some of them even sound legitimate they sound professional and they'll they'll go through the whole miranda rights but at the end of the day they're they're just trying to get information out of you to you know i guess steal from you well that's exactly what they're doing and they use like really common common cards for example most people will have a say a big bank card in their wallet maybe mm-hmm. like a capital one mm-hmm. right maybe like a a visa a big visa through like bank of america mm-hmm. um you know probably an amex right and so they kind of call and say i'm calling from or i'm trying to collect the debt from a capital one mm-hmm. and if you don't have a capital one that's an easy one well i've never had one buy you got the wrong person but if you did or do have a Capital One, you, you'll probably be like, hmm, maybe I should listen because I have a Capital One and you used to kind of start running scenarios through your head. But at that point, you you know, that's kind of where you fall into the trap of the imposter debt collector, yep. which is why I always tell people if you're uncomfortable and they're asking you, you know, where do you work at? What's your new number? What's your updated address? Just if you feel uncomfortable or threatened in any way, there's nothing wrong with hanging up the, or terminating the call. In fact, if you're if they keep calling you over and over and over and you just don't want to deal with them until you get more research, there is a way to stop them altogether. You can tell them over the phone, simply cease and desist. Yep. If, if you tell them to cease and desist, they're not allowed to call you anymore. Now, some collectors are going to tell you, you have to give it to me in writing, which is fine. Play their game. Give it to them in writing. But once you do that, they can no longer call you. They have to take other means of attempting to collect the debt without sending you any letters or calling you at work or at home. And that I, sometimes, Richard, I found out is a double-edged sword. Yes, sir. That's actually a very big tool that is online. So for some of the do-it-yourself credit repair people, you're trying to fix your own credit and you start to Google it online, the first thing you're going to find is a cease and desist letter online. Oh, right? well, this is true. And that C&D letter is what we call it, is basically telling the debt collector, you cannot call me anymore, either at home or at work, and you can't communicate with me in any way, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and the law is very clear. The law specifically says that if you send them a C&D, they have to abide by it unless they want to notify you that they're going to sue you. There you go. And so what happens is a consumer will send a C&D to a debt collector on a very legitimate debt, and it leaves the collector no choice but to sue the person because that's the only way that they can communicate with them. So you've got to be very careful because far too many times the consumer gets served with court papers after they send a C&D. Well, and and like I said, you only send this if you want to research them more legitimately. I mean, you just don't want to start giving them information, but he's absolutely right. You, If you send that C&D, their only option is to sue you. So be careful if you're sending that, that C&D. You don't just want to send it just because you don't want to deal with your debts. Right. You know, it's a, it's a really big point. I think that if you are receiving calls from debt collectors, 
And, and at some point or another, most people will receive a call from a debt collector. Oh, yeah. Whether it's for a legitimate debt or they've misidentified you, right? You're going to receive a call from a debt collector. Um, maybe it's an imposter, whatever. But today, we want to talk to you guys about what rights you have and what steps to take should you be receiving calls from debt collectors because they can come at, at any moment in time, especially in this day and age that we live in. So the first thing is first, you know that they have to read you your Miranda rights. Correct. Right? The, the fact that they are an attempt to collect the debt. Now... The, the thing that I like to recommend is just find out who's calling you. Most mm. of the time it's an 800 number, so you have no idea who it is. Or it could be a private number. Or even worse, they spoof a local number. So you have a, <laughs> a company from far away spoofing a local area code number to get you to answer the phone. Because most people don't answer 800 numbers nowadays. So you got to just simply ask the company to identify themselves. Who are you? What is the name of your company? What is your phone number? And what is your mailing address? And what is your name? Who are you? Right. Because I found that imposters don't want to identify themselves. They don't want to give you a physical mailing address, right? Do you know how many times I've spoken with collectors on behalf of clients and I ask them who they are and they refuse. They, they find every excuse to not give me their name. It's just ridiculous. I know because I've gone through it too. It's like, well, what's your mailing address? Well, sir, that doesn't matter. What's your mailing address? What's your mailing address? Until finally they hang up or I hang up on them because they simply refuse to give it. And that's a tall tale sign that it's a scam. Red flag. Big, big time red flag. Because if we're going to send them a validation letter, we need to know where to send it to. Exactly. Or if we're going to send them a C&D letter, we need to know where to send it to. And if they refuse, big, big sign that it's a scam. So number one is just find out who they are. And then you can terminate the call, look them up, and find out if they're legitimate, right? So that's the first thing. What else do you recommend? Well, um, besides searching who they are, let's say let's say they do disclose the information, and you find out that it is a legitimate company. Well, in this point, at that point, I actually start recommending that you ask for validation of the debt. Just because they're a legitimate company doesn't mean that the debt is legitimate, or that even if it is um, legitimate per se, that uh, and the fact that you owed it. A debt to a creditor let's call it uh, mercy hospital okay well the amount they're collecting may not be the right amount even though you did have service at mercy hospital right and and debt validation is another right under the law that mm -hmm. consumers have under mm -hmm. the fair debt collection practice act and there's actually federal and state acts that almost mirror each other but they have slight differences and those slight differences in the state and federal acts almost make all the difference in the world sometimes when yes, it sir. comes down to fighting a debt collector um, and so we'll get into those details at some point, but really the Fair Debt Collection Act Practices Act says that it, upon demand, a collector must verify the debt. And we're talking about serious debt validation, guys. Like, how do we know that this is the right person that they're trying to collect? Mm -hmm. right? How do we know that this debt collector has the authority to collect this debt? Right? That, that is and correct. how did you calculate this dollar amount? Exactly. Right? So we need itemization of how you calculated this dollar amount. What are you charging me for? Because, you, you know, how do we know you didn't just make up this number out of thin air? And a lot of the times that's the point of contention is like, I went there, but I don't agree with that dollar amount. That seems a little inflated or significantly inflated. And so that's kind of how we break things down and how we get to the bottom of it is through the debt validation process. Now, keep in mind, uh, most of the time when a collector is going to be contact you, contacting you by phone, they were supposed to have already sent you something in the mail, uh, but generally what they send you is what we like to call a dunning notice. Your first dunning notice. It, which is generally just a notice of who they're collecting for and dollar amount, but it's not broken down. 
So that number can be anything. And this is why we ask, uh, we recommend that you ask for validation because unless they give you an itemization with a breakdown, there could be usury, there could be just fraudulent charges, there could be collection fees, there could be all kinds of stuff that you just don't know about. So definitely, definitely ask for validation. Right, because that's how you know. A company that is legitimate, and we have, there's plenty of legitimate companies that are great. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not gonna have any problem with providing the docs to back up the debt. You that's, know, that's they they have them on hand. Heck, some of them even email them right away. We don't even gotta wait. Uh, but the ones that are maybe not legitimate or are imposters or maybe you know fudge the numbers a little bit, they're gonna hesitate or they're gonna find a way to maybe not send it out. And that's when you guys gotta be careful because these you know these debt collectors they're they're the number one most complained about industry for a reason, and that's because they break the most rules. You know they break rules all the time and they get in trouble for it all the time. But far too many of them get away with it. I mean, every phone call I make for uh, for a consumer of mine, a client of mine, I find like four or five violations in that one phone call. It's crazy. It just it is. It's crazy. Um, and you know, when when you're when you're talking to a collector, keep in mind their job is to collect money. Period. They're not there to help you. They're not there to make friends with you. They want to collect money. So they're going to promise you the world or they're going to find ways to just get that money from you. Don't let them. Stay informed. Know your rights and, you know, challenge them. At the end of the day, it is their burden of proof, not yours. So if they're trying to collect from you, make them make them prove it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's your right. It is. And, it, you know, it's up to you to exercise your right. No one's going to exercise your rights for you. So <laughs> we, that's why it's our duty. Well, we will. We will. But, you know, <laughs> I feel like it's our duty to inform people and let them know that okay, this is your right. This is the way it works. And, you know, but it, it also, you know, everything has its way of being done, right? And every, every debt, even though it's governed by the same acts, if you will, every debt kind of is different because the story behind the debt is different and obviously what the consumer is trying to accomplish can be very different so we, we always urge people to even though you become informed and, and do the research and get get you know get the advice is actually consult with a professional someone that can maybe help you navigate these things and, and help you like okay maybe you shouldn't send a C and D because you're going to get sued right or maybe you know maybe exercising your rights here is a good idea or maybe it's not a bad idea right like just kind of helping you navigate the nuances of or it. maybe you know the laws but the practices and the laws are two different things and when they don't start following the laws you know you need to figure out how to proceed from that point right right you know in, in everything like for example of a consumer I mean you could be spinning your wheels because if you're going to end up filing bankruptcy and you're you know, taking this collector to town because they're not validating debt, you're spinning your wheels, right? You're going to file bankruptcy, it's going to go away. So, you know, little details like that, I think, are, are super important because I'll tell you what, you'd say kids say the darndest things. No, collectors say <laughs> the darndest things. I mean, I, I absolutely insane. Um, oh, from the, the age-old trick of, of, of calling your neighbors or calling your family members to try to get information on you to even threatening you to go to jail, right? Oh man, that is a big one. Um, and 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 sometimes it even sounds real. Like I've heard some of these where they sound real, where maybe they're attempting to collect a debt on a more common jail-threatening one is on like payday advances, mm -hmm. where they'll say, "Well, you're not going to go to jail for the payday loan. You're going to go to jail for writing bad checks because you technically write a check to get the payday loan." Mm -hmm. So then now they're threatening people. You're going to go to jail for check fraud. 
you know, and, and this and that. And it's like, no, 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 that's not the way it works. It sounds pretty or it sounds scary and it sounds real, but it's way wrong, you know. And that's the experience I think that people lack because most of the time they're going through it for the first time. And I feel like I've gone through it millions of times throughout the years because of all the people that we've helped. Yes. Um, so, Anselmo, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we haven't gotten to any of the articles yet. You haven't uh, tested my improvisation skills yet. But uh, uh, speaking of. <laughs> but um, it, this is a big topic. Debt collections is, is a big topic. It's one of the most, uh, again, complaint industries. There's just so much stuff to, to describe that we don't have enough time for this show. Um, we're going to do our best to inform you as much as we can. Um, but just pay attention. Don't let them bully you. Don't let them push you. And don't let them use scare tactics against you to get their money. Um, because what, one of the things that we mentioned uh, earlier in a, different, in a different show is, you know, sometimes paying them could be a really big mistake, uh, especially when it comes to time limits and, and statute of limitations. Um, most of you yep. have already heard us say about the seven-year statute of limitations for credit reporting. You know, a lot of people know that, at, at least the theory behind it. Um, you know, stuff is supposed to go away after seven years. They just don't know the full details. But what most consumers know, don't what most consumers don't know are the statute of limitations for suing, which is a very important aspect of debt collection. Um, and different states have different rules, but here in California, it's four years for most accounts, most open book accounts. And what I'm trying to get to is if you pay a collector on a debt that's been around for seven, eight, nine, ten years, you know, um, if you pay them now because they somehow convinced you because they threatened to take you to jail and it sounded legitimate and you make that first payment, you've just reset the statute of limitations for suing. Now they got another four years to sue you. And if, you know, after that first payment, you decide, oh, you know what? It was a scam. I don't want to pay him no more. Well, you just left yourself open for that. Yeah. And that can turn into a judgment, which can make that debt last 10 years and now we got big problems on our hands and that is what most people confuse with resetting the seven years mm -hmm. in fact nothing you do can reset the seven years nothing but making a payment can reset the four-year statute of limitations that allows them to sue you exactly the seven-year statute is what allows them to credit report and correct the limit of credit reporting at seven years there is super important distinction there that a lot of people don't quite understand in fact most industry professionals don't quite understand that distinction um, and so you know for the record you've heard it here on the extra credit show you can't reset the rule of the seven-year rule at all. That statute cannot be reset no matter what you do. Make a payment, talk to them, call them, or if the debt is sold and resold, it cannot reset the seven-year rule. But make a five, ten dollar payment. Boom. You just reset the statute of limitations for suing. For four years. And mm -hmm. now they have another four years to In sue California. You in the state of California. And that varies from state to state. I know mm -hmm. some crazy six years can be six years and some of them are like two or three years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, check with your local states is just Google statute of limitation, Arkansas, statute mm -hmm. of limitation, Nevada, and that's going to show up on what it is. And, and so it's very important to be informed. So great point, Richard, very good point. That's a fantastic piece of information. Moving on. Are you ready? Yes. So the other day I was reading up on the Equifax data breach. It's okay. been just an enormous story over the last month. Basically, all your information is compromised. Yours is compromised. Mine is compromised. Whoop-de-doo. Um, so the 
CEO of Richard, the CEO of Equifax, his name is Richard Smith. He retired like as soon as Good that name. thing, right? Well, as soon as the, the data breach was announced, he retired. He basically said, I'm out of this. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going to just retire, take my bonus and leave. So they called him to testify in front of the panel of the House and Energy and Commerce Committee. And he basically, you know, testified in front of the Senate. Basically is what I, I got out of that. Okay. And he called for free credit locks from all the bureaus, right? So he technically represented Equifax and he went on and said, we're gonna do free credit locks for everybody forever. And we feel that Experian and TransUnion should do it as well. So the headline reads, Equifax calls for free credit locks. Experian's reply, nope. <laughs> Experian absolutely refuses to do free credit locks. They um, basically don't, they, I mean, their information wasn't hacked, according to them, and they refused to do free credit locks. And that's an interesting move. I, I would figure that PR-wise, Experian would be on board to do free credit locks. But they flat out, like, released a statement saying, no way, we are not going to be doing free credit locks. So what do you think about that? Man, there's so many things I think about that. First of all, uh, r right off the top of my head, it's, it's just greed. Um, in the end... Credit bureaus are there to make money. They're not there as a service for the consumer. And, you know, to not offer free credit locks is simply because they want to charge you for that service. Um, but the, the whole comment of, nope, our information wasn't hacked. I mean, that is just, let's call it just idiocracy, ludicrousness, because it doesn't matter which bureau the information was hacked. The information is the consumer's and Experian is going to have that same information. So if a so if a, a identity thief stole your information from Equifax, they're going to have the necessary information to start, you know, stealing from you. And it's going to show up on Experian anyways. It's or they could use an Experian vendor yeah. to use the information on. So if they stole your identity from Equifax, and it's your personal identifiable information, mm -hmm. name, address, social security number, date of birth, they can go to a vendor that pulls reports from Experian and use the stolen information technically and use it over at Experian, pull an Experian report and get approved for the credit because their credit locks aren't free. So essentially what I heard from Anselmo is undeniable proof that the credit bureaus really don't care about you because um, they're not they're not there for you they they make money off of selling your information in fact were you aware that equifax made more money after they lost uh, after your information was hacked it's just ridiculous and and that's through with their free or their not their free but their credit monitoring products uh -huh. right um they're i mean they're getting really taken to town and it's just quite quite interesting that they have the opportunity i feel to just make a great pr move and go you know what free credit locks for everybody right mm -hmm. just we get it uh, you know this is important stuff just free for everybody but experience just said nope we are not going to do that and you know they they're they're essentially saying that if you want to protect your information with them, you're going to have to pay them, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a very interesting dynamic and a very interesting stand that they're taking because when they have the chance to make the right PR move, they decided not to. And now, you know, again, we have to give over a few bucks to Experian to lock our credit or freeze our credit, which is absolutely shameful. You know, we're going to be keeping tabs on that over the next few months and, and just kind of seeing how that develops. Already, um, it's kind of created a, a real firestorm. I feel like two months ago, most people couldn't recite the credit bureaus by by heart. You know, they didn't know all three by name. Um, I, I, I've, I've heard experience. <laughs> old, uh, old school people like to call uh, Experian by their original name. 
my TRW. TRW. <laughs> but now, you know, I think like that the Bureau's names are kind of top of mind for most people um, because of all the press that they've been getting of all the mistakes that they've been making. And they probably will continue to make mistakes. And we're going to be here to point them out, um, maybe humor that humor it a little bit. But we'll see. So that was the headline for today. I'm sure there's plenty more headlines. But any parting words about debt collectors or Equifax? Don't trust them. Don't take them by their word. Stay informed. Uh, just know your rights. Um, because at the end of the day, they're burden of proof. If they, have, if they are placing anything on your credit report, attempting to collect anything from you, they're accusing you of something. And the burden of proof is on the accuser. If a debt collector reads you your Miranda rights, one of my favorite comeback lines, they'll say, this is an attempt to collect a debt. Any information obtained will be used for that purpose. My favorite comeback line to that is, this is an attempt to collect, this is an attempt to correct your records. <laughs> Any information obtained will be used for that purpose. Yes. So you guys are more than welcome to use that. Anselmo Moreno with the Extra Credit Show. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for being here, Richard. You're welcome.